بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الحد وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثه محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so today's lesson or short lesson lecture from Sheikh Ubaid Al-Jabri Hafiz rahimahu Allah ta'ala is the chapter is titled Sharh Hadith Jabir radiyallahu anhu ja'at malaikatun ila an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam so this is an explanation of the hadith reported by Jabir bin Abdullah radiyallahu anhu and uh, it concerns a group of angels who came in the dream of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so the sheikh after praising Allah and sending salat and salam upon the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he has the reader to read the hadith and so the, the reader uh, reads the hadith qala al-imam al-bukhari rahimahullahu ta'ala that al-imam al-bukhari rahimahullah he said in his sahih in his authentic compilation in the book al-i'tisam bil kitabi was sunnah so this hadith has been placed by al-imam al-bukhari within the book called holding fast to the quran and to the sunnah and the relevance of doing that meaning why did why did imam al-bukhari rahimahullah put this particular hadith under the chapter of holding fast to the book and the sunnah because clearly there are there are things within this hadith indications within this hadith which which are an indication of that and uh, there's a lot to be learned as the scholars mention from the chapter headings given by al-imam al-bukhari because it shows the way that he is deriving evidence from the texts from the hadith or from the verses that he is putting under those chapters so there's this fiqh there's understanding to be gained uh, from these chapter headings or these chapter titles in any case um, this is the name of the book al-i'tisamu bil kitabi was sunnah and the actual chapter the actual uh, title of the of the section under which the hadith comes is bab al-iqtida bi sunani rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam which means chapter guiding oneself or seeking guidance through the sunan of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so this is the the lead up to the to the actual hadith and in the actual hadith al bukhari brings the uh, chain of narration haddathana muhammad bin ubada qala akhbarna yazid and the chain goes all the way to the companion jabir ibn abdullah radiyallahu anhu so what does jabir say jabir says that he said ja'at malaikatun ila an-nabi 
صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو نائم. A group of angels came to the messenger of Allah وسلم, while he was sleeping, while he was asleep. فقال بعضهم إنه نائم. So some of the angels said, he's asleep, he's sleeping. And وقال بعضهم إن العين نائمة والقلب يقظان. So some other angels said that the eyes are sleeping, but the heart is fully awake. The heart is fully alert and the heart is, is fully awake. So then the angel said, فقالوا إن لصاحبكم هذا مثلا فاضربوه له مثلا. So then some of those angels said that this associate of yours, meaning the messenger of Allah, uh, there is a similitude, there is a parable or a similitude that, that is for him. So strike it for him, meaning explain it for him, mention it to him. What is, what is this similitude? So then some angels said, so some angels said, but he's asleep. And then other angels said, That indeed, the eye is asleep, but the heart is fully alert. The heart is fully, fully awake. So then they said, His parable or his similitude, كَمَثَلِ رَجُلٍ بَنَا دَارًا وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا مَعْدُوبَةً So the similitude is that there is a man who constructed a house. He made a house. And then in this house he prepared a banquet or a, like a feast, like a, something that you invite people to. وَبَعَثَ دَائِيًا And then the one who made the house then sent a caller. He sent a caller out. Meaning to invite people. فَمَنْ أَجَابَ الدَّاعِي دَخَلَ الدَّارِ وَأَكَلَ مِنَ الْمَعْدُبَةِ So whoever responded to the caller, then he will enter the house and he will eat from the banquet, from the feast. وَمَنْ لَمْ يُجِبْ الدَّاعِي لم يدخل لم يدخل الدار لم يدخل الدار ولم يأكل من المأدبة. and the one who does not enter the house then he will not eat from the banquet or the feast. فقالوا and then the angel said أولوها له يفقهها. so the angel said now explain it to him so that he may understand the parable meaning explain it to the messenger of Allah. So that he may grasp it and understand what this parable means, right? So the Messenger was made to, to see this in, in his dream, and then he was given the explanation. So they said, uh, Some angels said, نائم, But he's asleep. And other angels said, The eyes are asleep, but the heart is fully alert or fully awake. So then they said, فقالوا, they wanted to explain the meaning of this parable. فقالوا, فالدار الجنة. 
Right, so the house that was built is paradise. Wadda'i, the caller that was sent, is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Faman ata'a Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wasallam, faqad ata'a Allah. So whoever obeyed Muhammad sallam, responded to his call, then he has obeyed Allah. Waman asa Muhammadan, and whoever disobeyed Muhammad sallam, فَقَدْ عَصَى اللَّهِ Then he has disobeyed Allah. وَمُحَمَّدٌ صَلَّى اللَّهُ لِسَلَّمْ فَرْقٌ فَرْقٌ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ And Muhammad is a like a فَرْقٌ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ Like a, one who divides, splits the people. He is a division amongst the people. And this is the end of the of the hadith now uh, as you can see uh, the hadith contains uh, a numerous uh, benefits the shaykh will highlight three of those benefits for us inshallah ta'ala and uh, the shaykh says that the speech over this hadith it comprises you know numerous angles so the first of them al-wajhul awwal is that in this hadith there is a mention of one of the unique Features or qualities of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Meaning a quality that only he has And this, this, this quality Is that Although his eye May sleep when he's asleep The heart is fully awake and fully alert right? So this is one of the unique qualities Of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam With the meaning that the heart of the Messenger of Allah uh, does not uh, sleep. It is always open and receptive to, uh, to guidance, to revelation, to the light of revelation. And this particular quality as is found in this hadith. Sheikh Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, he, he, counted, uh, he um, counted all of the unique qualities of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he mentioned other hadith as well there are other hadiths which mention some of the qualities which are unique to the Messenger of Allah he mentions one of them from again from Jabir bin Abdullah which is the hadith khamsan, uh, lam qabli. I was given five that nobody else was given before me Right, so this is a hadith, and the hadith in full, uh, the hadith in full, uh, the message goes on to mention nusirtu birru'ab masirata shahrin. So the first thing was I was given the 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 terror or the fear which is put into the hearts of the enemy from the distance of one month's journey, meaning. That the enemy, Allah put terror into the hearts of the enemy of the Messenger of Allah, even though he was a month's journey away from actually meeting the enemy. Right? So terror would, would be put in, in the heart. This was the first thing that he was given. And the second thing he was given, he said, وَجُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضِ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا The earth was made for me as a place of worship and as a means of purification right so unlike other previous uh, revelations 
The whole earth was made a place of prayer, a masjid. And the earth itself can be used for purification, referring here specifically to, to Tayammam. So the messenger continued, فَأَيُّ رَجُلٍ أَدْرَكَتْهُ الصَّلَاةِ So meaning any man whom the prayer reaches, then let him pray. Meaning he can pray in any situation, anywhere on the earth. He's got his place for praying, anywhere on the earth. And he's got the means of purification, which means if he doesn't have the water, then he's able to do tayammum from the dust of the earth. So therefore he's able to pray. The whole earth has been made a place of prayer uh, uh, for him. This is the second thing. And then the third thing, أُحِلَّتْ لِي الْمَغَانِمْ The war booty was made lawful for me. To take the war booty. And it was not وَلَمْ تَحِلْ لِأَهَدٍ قَبْلِي And it was not made lawful for anyone before me. Then he said, وَأُعْطِيتُ الشَّفَاعَةِ And I have been given the intercession. And so as you know, there are numerous forms of intercession on the Day of Judgment. And some of those are uniquely for the Messenger of Allah. From them is the, the greatest intercession, الشَّفَاعَةُ uzma, which is the intercession with Allah that Allah commences and begins the judgment. Because the people will be stood waiting uh, filled with awe and, and fear and it's a very heavy thing for them to keep waiting and so the messenger of Allah he will make the, the, the first and the greatest intercession which is for Allah to commence the actual judgment that's unique to the messenger of Allah likewise uh, to make intercession for the, for the believers to be able to enter into paradise this is unique to the messenger of Allah so this intercession being mentioned here is, is the one which is unique for the messenger. Otherwise we know that the believers, other prophets, the angels, they also can make intercession um, you know, for, 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 the, for the sinful amongst the Muslims. But this intercession is the specific, the, the unique intercession that is unique to the messenger of Allah. And then he said, وَكَانَ النَّبِيُّ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ خَاصَةً the prophets before me were sent to their nation, to his nation only specifically. And I was sent to the people generally. Right? So his messengership, his prophethood is universal for the whole of the people of the earth. So here is another hadith which mentions another five things which are unique to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And... Um, Sheikh Ubaid says, or he said that Al Hafid ibn, ibn Hajar, that he mentioned that some people mentioned there are altogether maybe sixty khasais, unique things which are which are for the Messenger of Allah only, as mentioned in the various you know authentic narrations. In any case, what is the point from this? The Sheikh says, Al Maqsud from this is that the the unique features and qualities granted to the Messenger of Allah are so numerous that they cannot be they cannot be enumerated. And this collection of unique features and qualities, what do they indicate? They are an indication to the Ummah, to us, that they must follow the guidance of the Messenger of Allah, they must follow in his tracks, they must follow his sunnah. Uh, they must hold fast to his sunnah 
and وَيَدَعُوا مَعْدَاهَ مِنْ آرَاءِ الْبَشَرِ and that they abandon what is besides the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, of the opinions of men. The opinions, the sayings, whatever men, men, men come with, that they should abandon these things. And so what is the evidence? In fact, there are so many different evidences. The fact that the Messenger came with the Qur'an. And the Messenger has so many khasais, unique and specific qualities and features. For example, he was given uh, the uh, comprehensiveness of speech. Jawami al-Kalim, the ability to capture so many meanings or the depth of meaning in so little or so few words. He was given that. And he was given, you know, there's so many things that, as, as the Sheikh mentioned, that there's innumerable features and qualities or uh, things that were given to the Messenger of Allah, all of which when we put them together, they indicate to us that he is worthy of being followed. He is the one worthy of being followed and the statements and opinions of everybody else you know, are, are, are to be left unless they conform to his, to his statements and his, you know, his hadith, his sunnah. Then the shaykh goes on to say, وَأَمَّا أَقْوَالُ الْبَشَرِ فَلَيْسَتْ بِمَعْسُومَةٍ وَهِيَ عَلَى ضَرْبَيْنِ As for the speech of every other man, every other person, then it is not infallible meaning he is not free from making mistakes in his speech and the speech of every other person every other individual then it falls into two categories right so aside from the messenger of allah who speaks revelation and guidance and truth and that which is correct the speech of every other man it falls into two categories it is Firstly, مَا وَافَقَ الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ فَهَذَا مَقْبُولٌ So that which conforms and agrees with the book and the sunnah. So this now is maqbool, this is accepted. And secondly, مَا خَالَفَ الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَهَذَا مَرْدُودٌ That which contradicts and opposes the book and the sunnah. And so this now is, is rejected. The Shaykh goes on to mention that what is worthy of mentioning about the people of the sunnah the people of the Sunnah, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, from their distinguishing qualities, so just like the Messenger of Allah has distinguishing unique qualities, similarly his followers, those who follow him, they have distinct unique qualities by which they are identified and by which they are known. And one of those qualities the Shaykh mentions is Annahum Yazinuna Ma Warada Ilayhim wa وَفَدَ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَقْوَالِ النَّاسِ وَأَفْعَالِهِمْ بِمِيزَانِينَ إِنَّهُمَا النَّسِ وَالْإِجْمَاعِ So one of these qualities that distinguish the people of the Sunnah is that every speech that is brought to them and every action that is presented to them then they weigh it, they weigh it, they measure it, they evaluate it using two scales it is either a text, a nas, a text, which can be Qur'an or Sunnah, Qur'an or Sunnah, this is text, or it is consensus, it is ijma', meaning something that the Sahaba were, were united upon or the Salaf were united upon. And so these are two criteria, two criteria, two, two evidences by which everything that comes to, comes to us, comes to the people of the Sunnah, they put it on these scales and see 
does it add up, does it weigh up, you know. And so this is one of the distinguishing uh, features and qualities. Whatever agrees with text and consensus, they accept it. Whatever disagrees, then they reject it. And they reject it even if the person who brings it is an imam from the imams of the sunnah. Right? So meaning, no one has this special quality or status whereby he reaches a level in knowledge and piety and, and insight and scholarship and so on and so forth, where by virtue of that, his statements have to be accepted. No one reaches this level. Only the Messenger of Allah is ma'asum, is infallible in his speech, in his conveyance of the religion. And no other person, no, not even the greatest of the Imams of the religion, not Ahmed, not Malik, not Shafi'i, not Abu Hanifa, not uh, Al-Thawri, al no one, right? No matter what his, what, what his status. After this, this, so after mentioning this, this being the quality, the distinguishing quality of the people of the Sunnah, that they weigh everything with text and consensus, he then says, there's two additional points to be made now, right? Under this, under this first benefit. There are two additional points. The first additional point is that we often hear many, many people, they say, they make uh, remarks, they say, we should take the truth from everybody. Take the truth from everybody. You know, who, uh, we should learn the truth from everybody. Take the good, leave the bad, they also say, another one of their principles. But here, it is as the Sheikh says, that they say, you know, we take the truth from everybody. And sometimes they say, they say, um, uh, they say, خُذِ الْحَقِّ مِمَّنْ جَاءَ بِهِ Take the truth from anyone who, you know, brings it. And so, this, there's some clarification needed about this issue. And the Sheikh says, first of all, what is the basic foundation in seeking knowledge? The basic foundation is that when you are going out of your way to seek knowledge and to go to someone to seek knowledge, then this is only from the people of truth. From the people of truth. The people who are the people of, of, of the sunnah, people of knowledge of the sharia, this knowledge is not taken except from the people who are grounded in this knowledge and who are grounded, who hold fast to the sunnah, right? So this is, this is the asl, this is what we, what we start with when it comes to taking the truth. Meaning that if you want to leave your house and go and take knowledge from somebody, it is only from a scholar of the sunnah, a person of the sunnah, someone who is upon the sunnah. Right? This is where you seek out people to take knowledge from. So the asal is, it has to be someone, uh, a person of the sunnah. Secondly, the second situation is where something comes to you by way of somebody. You didn't go to them, but it is brought to you in an incidental interaction or an encounter or whatever it might be. And someone, or you, you come across something, you know, you pick up a book and, you know, or you, you, you meet somebody. So this is brought to you now. And uh, this person, he might be a disbeliever. He might be a disbeliever. He might be a mubtadi, even. He might be a person of innovation, a person of misguidance. But he comes to you and he presents something to you, something that is stated, 
uh, or he mentions something to you and it happens to be, it happens to agree with the truth. Right? He mentions something which is, which is true. Now obviously, we have to accept the truth because the truth is the truth no matter who says the truth. So we have to accept the truth. So either this person, what he says, it happens to be correct and true. So we accept it as we are obligated to accept the truth. Or it might oppose the sunnah. So in that case, we reject it and you know, we, we, we are not obliged to, to take it. So basically, the Sheikh says that there are two scenarios or two situations. right? When it comes to accepting truth, there are two scenarios. The first one is the halatu al-talab. Right? This is where we go out, we step outside the house, we go to a particular mosque, we go to a particular learned person, a scholar, a student. We are the, one, we are the ones going to somebody. You only take knowledge from someone whom you know to be a person of the sunnah, who is free from bid'ah, and who does not, is not known for any opposition to the sunnah, but he's someone who is upon the sunnah, he defends the sunnah, he's known for the sunnah. So this is seeking knowledge, right? So this means that when the people say, take knowledge from everybody and anybody, take the good and leave the... No, this is false, right? Like for example, go to this masjid, then go to that masjid, then go to the tablighi masjid, then go to this masjid, go to that masjid, then anything you take which is truth, take it, you know. And no, this is actually misguidance to, to tell the people to do this because... People might not have the, the criterion to know what is, what is right and what is wrong. They might not have that level of knowledge. right? For that reason, you say you only take and you only seek knowledge from a person of the sunnah, a scholar of the sunnah, a student upon the way of the sunnah. Right? So this is the first situation. And the second situation is that um, is when Something comes to you from a disbeliever or an innovator. It happens to agree with the sunnah. And so in this case, we accept the truth because he happened to agree with the truth, not because of him as a person, right? Because he happened to agree with the truth. The Sheikh goes on to mention a number of evidences for this from the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. And on one occasion, there was a Jew. Oh, he gives an example, first of all. He says, Imagine a Jew or a Christian comes to one of us. And sometimes this happens. And they mention something from the Bible, right? The Old Testament or the New Testament. And they say, for example, that in our Torah, so a Jew comes and he says, in our Torah, there is mentioned that the seven heavens, that the heavens are seven and the earths are seven. And that the command of Allah the decree of Allah, the command of Allah, then it descends and ascends between the, the heavens and the earth. So we say, well, this is correct. This is, this is true. This is real knowledge because this is what has come um, in the Quran. Because Allah Zawajal, He said uh, in the Quran, Allahu ladhi khalaqa sab'a samawatin wa min al-ardi mithlahun yatanazzalu al-amr baynahun. Allah is the one who created the seven heavens and the earths of their like. And the affair, the command, you know, ascends and, and descends between them. So we, we accept this because this is, this is something which is, which is true. And although we, you know, he said a statement which is true, 
uh, it agrees with the sunnah, so we are obliged to take it from, from the sunnah. The Sheikh also mentions, he alludes, he says, look, there's also other examples in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari. I refer you to the, the book of Tafsir. Go back to the book of Tafsir. There's a hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, and the hadith that the Sheikh is alluding to or referring to is the hadith in which a Jew came. In fact, there are numerous hadiths. Uh, but on this occasion, a Jew came and he said that Allah Azawajal, that he will place the heavens on a finger and the earths on a finger and the trees on a finger and the, the herbage and the water on a finger and the whole of the, you know, all of the creation on a finger. And then the Messenger he heard this and he started laughing out loud till, till oh, he started laughing till his molar teeth could be seen. And then he mentioned the ayah in the Quran, وَمَا قَدْرُ اللَّهِ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ That they have not given Allah, وَمَا قَدْرُ اللَّهِ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ They have not given Allah his just and true estimation. And then the verse continues, وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَّاتٌ بِيَمِينِهِ That the entire earth will be in his... Uh, right hand and the heavens will be rolled uh, will, will be in his uh, grasp and the heavens will be rolled in his right right so the meaning that the jew came with something which is correct and sound knowledge and there are other hadiths uh, as well where the jew mentions what is the reward of the people in paradise that they will have such and such type of uh, uh, delight in in paradise of food and the messenger confirmed and said yes this 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 is correct so the point being, this is one evidence. Uh, there are other evidences uh, as well. Uh, for example, uh, the shaitan that came to Abu, Abu Huraira and taught him, whom he caught trying to take something. And, you know, he said, I will teach you something if you let me go. And he taught him Ayatul Kursi. Say this at night time, and that's true knowledge. And so even though he is a devil, we will take that true knowledge. Right? So we take the truth when it comes to us. We don't go out to the Yahudi to the Nasrani, to the Mubtadi, to the, to the Sufi, to the Ikhwani, to whoever it might be, to go and seek knowledge. And some scholars are of the view, such as Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen, Rahimahullah, that even as it relates to the people of innovation and misguidance, that we do not even go to them to seek knowledge which, which, or a science or a knowledge which is, which is neutral. For example, to learn the Arabic, uh, Arabic language from an innovator. Right? Even that would be, in the Sheikh's view, prohibited to, to do that. Uh, because that's just an avenue and a stepping stone for you to be entered into uh, misguidance. And so, so this is the first, this is the general first benefit to be taken from this hadith. Right? It is uh, the messenger of Allah from his, from his khasa'is, uh, as I mentioned, that his heart is always awake. And when we combine that with all the other dozens and dozens of special qualities all of them indicate and notify us that he alone is worthy of being followed and so this raises the, raises the issue therefore uh, that we we weigh everything by way of the book and the sunnah and consensus text and consensus um, and thereafter the issue of seeking knowledge what's the basis in seeking knowledge Do we just go to everybody just because he is is a muslim or he's learned it in the sharia or he's learned it in this or whatever we just go and take everything 
Or do we start with, do we take knowledge only from a person of the Sunnah? And so as the Shaykh explained, this is, this is what we do. We take knowledge from the person of the Sunnah. And as for all of the knowledge, as it comes to us incidentally in a book, or we meet someone, or you know, something is, is heard or read, if it is true, irrespective of who says it, it's a Jew or a Christian, or, a, or even if it's a Sufi or an Ikhwani. In fact, as, uh, as Imam Shafi said, Rahimahullah, I accompanied the Sufis for 40 days and I did not learn anything apart from two things. And one of those things, I forgot, I forgot one of them, but one of them was that time is a sword. If you don't cut it, it will cut you. Right? And then he mentioned one other thing which, which, which I forget now. Right? Now, the, the, the point being that we, obviously, um, we don't go out to go and take knowledge from 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 uh, people of innovation, but if it happens that some wisdom comes in our direction, or we happen to read something, then obviously we, the truth is the lost property of a believer. Truth belongs to the believer. We we accept and we take it from wherever it might might come to us. So anyhow, this is the first benefit to be taken from the hadith. The second benefit is the Sheikh says. That this hadith contains, which is very clear and apparent from the hadith, from the parable that was given in the hadith, is that there is no way Right? There is no way for anybody to reach paradise by way of his speech and his action except the way of Muhammad. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? Because you heard in the in the parable the Ma'duba, uh, which is the, the banquet or the feast, that this is in paradise, right? And the one who responds to the messenger, he's the one who will eat from the feast. And this is how a person gets to paradise by responding to the messenger, responding to, to Iman and Taqwa and the righteous actions upon the way of the of the Sunnah. So Sheikh mentions the hadith Faman Ata'ahu. This is what happened, what occurs in the hadith, right? Whoever obeys him, meaning Muhammad will has obeyed the, uh, Allah. And whoever disobeys him has disobeyed Allah. Now this applies, the Shaykh was on to say that Ahlul Bid'ah, therefore, the people of innovation and misguidance, they are disobedient to the messenger of Allah. Those who left the sunnah, and fell into innovations in creed or in worship or in methodology. These people have left the sunnah. And so therefore they are disobedient to Allah and his messenger because they do not make ittiba of the messenger as they were commanded. And this actually applies. This, this parable of in, 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 in the hadith applies also to the people of other religions, to the Jews, to the Christians, right? To every other type of person of, of every other religion because the messenger was sent to the whole of mankind and that invitation to come into the house and to eat from the banquet as occurs in the in, in, in the dream in the hadith that invitation to everybody of all the people of the earth and so therefore two groups of people are disobedient to Allah and his messenger the first are the people of disbelief from the Yahud from the Nasara from the, the, the Hindus and everybody else and then secondly, those from uh, who ascribe to Islam, from within the, the, the Ummah of Islam, uh, those who abandoned and left the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah they too enter 
into this. Now, as we are on this topic, uh, this hadith, therefore, is also, incidentally, a refutation of the call to the unity of religions. Wahdatul Adyan. And we hear these days there are, there are, there are moves and there are uh, statements being made that there's such a thing as, you know, the heavenly religions or the revealed religions or the Abrahamic faiths, right? And these things are being put in motion. And all of this is, 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 uh, is falsehood. And this statement is a statement of disbelief to say that Yahudiyyah and Nasraniyyah and uh, Islam, that all of these are really uh, brethren in Iman. And the worship of this one and that one and this one, the Muslim, all of it is, is uh, sahih and maqbool. Inda Allah. Right? Inna deen, inda Allah al-Islam. Right? Indeed, the deen with Allah is al-Islam. And Ibrahim al-Islam was neither a Yahudi. Ibrahim was not a Yahudi, nor a Nasrani. Rather, he was a uh, Hanif, Muslim. He was not of the uh, Mushrikeen. Right? So this, this idea, we have to be careful and we have to reject this idea uh, because it is coming from certain quarters, certain directions. Uh, we see that uh, uh, increasingly so, the, 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 we, we are, uh, everything is becoming globalized, as they say. Everything is, is merging, the markets, the nations, everything. And you see that you know, some nations, uh, maybe for uh, economic reasons, political reasons, or whatever reasons it might be, you know, they might uh, start making certain calls to accommodate the adyan for whatever reasons it might be. But all of that is batil, all, all of that is false. And, and this statement is, 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 is a statement of disbelief uh, to claim that, you know, there are, there are Abrahamic uh, adyan which are maqbula uh, to Allah Azawajal. No, this, this, this is batil, this is false. So there is only one way. It is the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And as for the people of Bid'ah, um, someone might come and say, well, this person, you know, he's a person of the Sunnah, but he, has, he only has just like one, one innovation. Surely we can, you know, we can take from this person. His innovation is just one and it's minor. And the Sheikh says, قُلْنَا إِنْدَنَا هُوَ مُبْتَدِعْ وَهَذَا مَقَرَّرَهُ أَئِمَّةُ أَهْلِ Sunnah." The Sheikh says, no, this person to us is a misguided innovator, even, even if his innovation is one. And this is what the people of the, the Imams of the Sunnah, this is what they were upon. And he mentions here something from Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Listen to what Imam Ahmed said, rahimahullah, in his uh, Usul al-Sunnah. He said, من السنة اللازمة التي ترك منها خصلة لم يقبلها ويؤمن بها لم يكن من أهلها right so at the beginning of his book Usul al-Sunnah Imam Ahmed Usul al-Sunnah the foundations of the Sunnah before he starts mentioning the, 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 what are these foundations of the Sunnah he says that from the Sunnah from the Sunnah which is binding upon us are those things which if a man leaves even a single one of them, if he leaves even just one of those issues, then he has not accepted the sunnah. He's not accepted 
the entirety of the Sunnah. He has not believed in the Sunnah. And he is not from the people of the Sunnah. Right? So meaning that uh, it is not possible for you, for you to reject one thing from the Sunnah and for then for you to claim to be from the Sunnah. It's not, it's not possible. Right? Rejecting only one thing takes you outside of the fold of the Sunnah. And this is why we see, um, in fact, uh, I'll give you one example. In the time of Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, uh, there was a man called Hussein al-Karabisi. Hussein al-Karabisi. This was a man of knowledge. He was a man of knowledge. He was from the associates and companions of Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah. And as you know, in that time, there was an innovation, uh, uh, the innovation of kalam, ilmul kalam, and there was some speech about the Quran. You know, is the Quran, is it created? Is it the speech of Allah? Is it not created? What about the Mus'haf? What about our recitation? And this was something that came from the Jahmiyyah. They denied that Allah speaks. Therefore, they denied that the Quran is Allah's speech and his, uh, you know, his speech. And when they were refuted, they began to bring these kind of obscure statements. Right, ambiguous statements, which is not clear and apparent as to what exactly do you mean, because it, this this statement could be true and it could be false. And one of those statements that they began to say is they began to say, "My recitation of the Quran is created." Right now, this is an ambiguous statement, because on the one hand, yes, when you recite. And we are referring to your voice. Your voice obviously is created. And so therefore, that part of it is true. That yes, you know, your voice is a created voice that is reciting the Quran. But that which you are reciting, the maqroor, the words which you are reciting, they are not your words. They were the words that were spoken by Allah Allah is the one who said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allah is the one who said that. But you are the one who are repeating it with your voice, right? So they made this ambiguous statement. And this appeared in the time of Imam Ahmed and Imam Shah, basically at the early part of the, uh, you know, the turn of the third century, right? So Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah ta'ala, this is, remember, this is a, a person of knowledge, Al-Karabisi, and others similar to him, like uh, Al-Harith Al-Muhasim. There's a group of them. And so there's some narrations. Um, Abu Bakr Al-Marrudi who said, I said to Imam Ahmed whilst we were in Al-Askar, a letter came to me from Baghdad that a man had followed Al-Hussein Al-Karabisi in his saying, meaning his saying that my recitation of the Quran is created. So he said to me, Imam Ahmed said to me, this one has become a Jahmi and has manifested the way of the Jahmiya. Meaning, just on account of that statement, right? That one statement. Other than that, this man is a man with knowledge. He's, he has knowledge of the Sharia. He has fiqh in the religion. In all other issues of creed, he, he's not from the Khawarij, not from the Murjiya, not from, you know, maybe sound. But he made one statement, which is ambiguous. It could be true, could be false. <clears throat> so Imam Ahmed, Imam Ahmed said, we should warn against him 
and against everyone who follows him. And he said, Bishr al-Marisi, who was an innovator from decades earlier, he died and Hussein al-Karabisi succeeded him. And Imam Ahmed went on to say some other things about ilm um, al-kalam and things like that. Then we have also, he said, as is related in Tabaqat al-Hanabila, he said, may Allah humiliate al-Karabisi. He is not to be sat with. He is not to be spoken to. And knowledge is not to be written from him. And do not sit with whoever sits with him. And he said, Al-Karabisi is a Jahmi, is a Jahmite. Right? So this argument that, well, you know, he has just one small innovation. You know, we can ignore that and just take knowledge from him. No. Because imagine, imagine, imagine you sat with Al-Karabisi or his likes. And he confused you by way of an ambiguous statement. My recitation of the Quran is created. You could be led by that ambiguous statement to actually believe that the Quran, the Arabic Quran, the words, that they, that they are created. Which means that the speech of Allah is created. Right? So it leads to and this you entering now into, into idolatry and shirk. Without, without really realizing what you are what, what you are saying, right? So this thing the Sheikh says that, you know, these people say, you know, he, he's a person of the Sunnah, but just with one, you know, but this was the nature of most of the people of Bid'ah in history. They had most of the truth with them, but they fell into error in a, in a specific thing or a specific area of creed, which was dangerous. And the people of the Sunnah, the Sahaba, the Salaf, they refuted and warned against them. Right, so the Sheikh says, Ayyuhal Muslimun wal Muslimat, Bid'atun Wahida, Yuhkamu biha ala manitta safabiha bi annahu mubtadi umdal. A single innovation is sufficient for you to judge an individual to be someone who is misguided, right? And, and an innovator. Until he repents to Allah Azza wa Jal. And obviously, the Sheikh goes on to mention very importantly. That even though we say this, we do not declare anybody, any Muslim, to be either a disbeliever, nor to be an innovator, nor to be a sinner, until after the evidence, the proof is established and conveyed to him. Right? Because it could be the case the person is ignorant, he doesn't know a Muslim might be committing a sin, Maybe he doesn't know riba or something, you know, alcohol maybe even. Maybe he's ignorant and jahil or whatever, doesn't know that this is a haram in Islam. He's new Muslim maybe, right? And we have to convey, we have to convey to him and show him that this is opposition to the guidance of the Messenger of Allah. Right? So after the hujjah is conveyed, until he knows that he is opposing the evidence, that is when we say this one is mubtadeh. This one has fallen into, into disbelief. This one is, is a fasik or whatever. This is the way of the people of the, of, of the Sunnah. Now, uh, the Sheikh goes on to uh, say that this what I am mentioning to you is, that's not from me, rather this is what we have inherited from uh, the people of the Sunnah, from the Imams of the Sunnah, rahimahumullah, and likewise from the time of the Sahaba to this day of ours. So this is a second benefit taken from that hadith. The third benefit uh, that the Sheikh mentions is that at the end of the hadith, the angels, what did they say? They said that Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, farqun bayna nas 
Farqun bayn al-Nas. And Ibn Hajar rahimahullah, he also mentions that in another narration, in another version of the hadith, it is mentioned that Muhammad sallam farraqa bayn al-Nas. It can be read in both ways. You can either say farqun bayn al-Nas or you can say farraqa bayn al-Nas. So which means Muhammad sallam is a division or a splitting among the people or that he split, he, he will split and he will divide the people. Right? So both of these two meanings are found. So the Sheikh says that this sentence on its own is sufficient to be a slap in the face, as the Sheikh says, a slap in the face of those who say we should not refute. We should not speak against people of misguidance. We should not, you know, point out misguidance and error. It's a slap in their, in their faces. Because, um, you know, these people who, they attack the people of the Sunnah. These are people who are pedantic people. Uh, they, they, are, they have partisanship. And, um, you know, they, they ascribe to the Sunnah. But what do we see mentioned in this hadith about the Messenger of Allah? That he is a division among the people. He's come to split the people and separate the people. The Sheikh says, take a single example from the Qur'an. And another example from the Sunnah. From the Quran is the statement of Allah, the Exalted, Tabarakalladhi Nazzal al Furqana ala abdihi liyakuna lil alamina nadira. Blessed be he who sent down the criterion, the Furqan, upon his servant, that he may be for the worlds a warner. That he may come as a warner to the to the alameen. Now the Quran being a furqan, a criterion of truth and falsehood. And we see in the Quran, Allah has made all of the divisions and categories of people, right? The believers, the disbelievers, the hypocrites, the people of Tawheed, the Muwahidun, the people of Shirk, the Mushrikun. The people of, of righteousness, of Iman and Taqwa, the people of Fisq, the people of Dhulm, the people of Ittiba', those who follow and imitate the Messenger, right? those who turn away and contend with the Messenger. Every single division and category has, been, has come in this Quran, which is a Furqan between Haqq and Batil, right? between Tawheed and Shirk, Iman and kufr uh, and and likewise the people of tawheed and the people of shirk and the people of iman and the people of kufr and the people of obedience and the people of disobedience all these divisions have come in the quran the quran came to split and divide and to categorize the people in this manner right so this is clear evidence that you know muhammad that he came as, a, as a, because this is what the quran came the quran came to establish the truth and to invalidate the falsehood. And so this is the, uh, the proof from the Qur'an. And as for the proof from the Sunnah, it's the well-known famous hadith that you are aware of, the hadith of the division and the splitting, that this ummah, uh, that uh, um, 
that this ummah will split into 73 sects. All of them will be in the fire except for one. They said, who is that, O Messenger of Allah? He said, Al-Jama'ah, meaning the, the united group, meaning the group united upon the truth. United upon the truth. And some of them said, Al-Jama'ah ma kana ala al-haq wa in, ka, wa in kunta wahdak. The Jama'ah is whatever is the truth, even if you are one person. If you are one person in a city, in a town, you are the one upon the sunnah. You are the one following the Messenger of Allah, following the Sahaba, following the Salaf. You are now the Jama'ah. Because the Jama'ah can only be based upon the truth, right? So the Shaykh goes on to say that built upon this hadith, therefore, people are of two groups. He who is Halik and he who is Najin. One who is perished and destroyed and one who is saved and delivered. So the one who is perished and destroyed is the one who follows the way of those groups who split from the Sunnah, from the Jama'ah, and all of them have been threatened with the hellfire. And the second group are those, uh, the Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah, the people of the Sunnah, who are free from all tinges and taints of innovation. There's no innovation to be found among them, right? This is the people of the Sunnah. People of the Sunnah, if you look at their statements in every field of, of knowledge of creed, whether it is to do with what it is it is to do with Tawheed or Iman or Al Qadr or the Sahaba or belief in the unseen or the angels or the jinn or Allah's names, Allah's attributes, their, their, their speech is one. And it is the same as the way of the Salaf. And likewise when you see them worshipping, when they worship Allah, their worship is in accordance with the Sunnah. Right? And any variation therein is variation that has come in the Sunnah itself. But they worship in accordance with the Sunnah. And so they are the people uh, of the truth. And uh, so even though they are free of innovation, it does not mean that the person of the Sunnah has to be free of sin. Right? So sin can be found among the people of the Sunnah. Right, even though it, you know, it, 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 it is found. That does not mean that they're not people of the Sunnah. But, but the point being, the Shaykh is saying, that they are free from every tinge and taint of innovation, even if sin may be found amongst them. Sin is found in other than them. Right? But the point being, that they do not have uh, innovation with them.
So the Shaykh goes on to mention that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he حذر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من الخوارج ولم يكونوا حينئذ the messenger of Allah in his time he warned against the khawarij who were not even present they were not even present in his time and likewise he warned from the qadariyya the deniers of al-qadar and they were not even present in the time of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم but he said of them, he said of this group that is going to appear, Hum majus hadihil ummah. They are the magians, they are the fire worshippers of this nation. The fire worshippers, they believe in a god of good and a god of evil. They believe that light, you know, is, is, is uh, uh, the god of uh, good. Darkness is the god of evil, which creates evil. So they resembled when they said that man creates his own actions. He's the one who does his own evil actions outside the control and the power and the will of Allah. Effectively, they made a man, a creator outside of Allah's uh, you know, power. Right? So about them, the messenger said, because he knew they were going to, they're going to appear in his ummah. Hum majus hadhil ummah. He warned from them, warned against them. They weren't even present. All right? Likewise, he warned against the Dajjal, the greatest liar. He warned against him and against his trials and his tribulations and these evils that are going to come at the end, at the end of, uh, towards the Day of Judgment. Right? And so we see that the Messenger of Allah, he made all of these warnings and even he said, for example, سَيَكُونُ فِي آخِرِ أُمَّتِي نَاسٌ يُحَدِّثُونَكُمْ مِمَّا لَمْ تَسْمَعُوا أَنْتُمْ وَلَا آبَاؤُكُمْ he said there will be at the end of my nation a people who will narrate to you things which you have never heard before which your forefathers have never heard before nor have you heard before so be so beware of them so you be aware of them and be be aware of them reported by muslim and al-baghawi and others so the point being, what is the, what is the point behind all of this? The point being the Sheikh is mentioning that a person who is the person of the Sunnah, who values the Sunnah, if he has the ability, then he should separate and keep away and point out misguidance and innovation and the people of innovation misguidance if he has the ability to do so, right? Because this is part and parcel of the, 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 the message of Islam and the Sunnah to establish the truth and to invalidate falsehood. And if he's not able to do so, the Shaykh goes on to say, if he's not able to do so, meaning he does not have the ability and the strength, the people of innovation have the strength and the power, they could harm him, they could bring harm to him, then let him, instead of mentioning them by name, you know, he should at least just refute the innovation itself, right? This is wrong, it poses the sunnah, right? If he, if he doesn't have the ability to do so, to say, beware of that man because this person is a person of misguided. If he doesn't have the ability to do that, then at least let him suffice with just mentioning the innovation and warning the people from the uh, innovation. So, the Sheikh goes on uh, to uh, basically say that, he makes one nice point, he says, look, O people of the sunnah, Muslims, you know, Muslim men, Muslim women, um, 
every person of innovation, he openly proclaims his creed or what he's upon, right? Every group will come and say, I am from this Jumaa, I'm an Ikhwani, I'm a Tablighi, I'm a Tahriri, I am this, I'm, I'm a you know, Naqshibandi, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. They will openly come out and they will say, I'm from this Jumaa, and I am such and such, and I'm such and such. Right. And they will call to, you know, the, the, the foundations of principles. And the Sheikh goes on to say that, how then can a person of the Sunnah not say in exactly the same way that I am a person of the Sunnah upon the way of the Salaf? I am Salafi. Right. Why should a person of the Sunnah be shy to openly proclaim that which he is upon in the same way with the same zeal that these people in falsehood ascribe themselves to that which is an innovation. When we say we are upon the way of the Salaf, we are ascribing to the Sahaba, to the Messenger of Allah. How can this ascription be wrong or incorrect? Yes, this ascription is divisive because the call of the Messenger was divisive. Yes, but it is ascribing to that which cannot err, meaning the Sahaba and, and, and the Salaf. That's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, as the Shaykh quotes him, he says, which means that there's no blame to be put upon anyone who ascribes himself to the Salaf or who attributes himself to the Salaf. Rather, it is obligatory to accept that from him by consensus because the way of the Salaf is not accept the truth, right? So when we say, I follow the Sahaba, I follow the way of the Salaf, I am a Salafi, this ascription is an ascription to the Prophet, his companions, and to the Salaf, among whom we know that they, that they were upon the truth. But when a person says, I'm a Tablighi, who is he ascribing to? A Jama'ah in the 20th century, to a single man and maybe two or three books, right? I'm a Sufi, I'm a Tahriri, right? These are, these are ascriptions that these people make because they are ascribing to an ideology, a belief, a methodology, innovated types of worship which define their group. That's why they are making that ascription, right? And often... When these people are refuted, they will start to say, well, I am upon the way of the Salaf. And this is why now, as we said in point number two, or point number one, that we, every speech and every action, we weigh it with two scales. Text or consensus. Anyone who makes a claim, we weigh it with text or consensus. Right? And so even that person, his claims can be, can be invalidated. Anyhow... We will suffice with this, inshallah. There's like one small thing left at the end uh, from Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, where Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah, comments upon the same hadith. We'll finish with this, inshallah. He says, وَفِي الْحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ صَرِيحٌ أَنَّ التَّفْرِيقِ لَيْسَ مَذْمُومًا لِذَاتِهِ Sheikh Al-Albani said that in this hadith related by Al-Bukhari, where the angel said that Muhammad, sallam, is فَرْقٌ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ or فَرَّقَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ Sheikh Al-Bani says that in this hadith is explicit evidence that splitting in and of itself is not something that is blameworthy. 
right? The very notion of splitting that itself is not blameworthy, right? And then he goes on to say, so therefore, when these people they discourage others from inviting to the book and the sunnah and warning from what opposes it, right? Or claiming that, you know, this is not the time for this, we should do this afterwards, right? Because it, you know, turns the people away and so on and so forth. These type of statements, the Sheikh says, this is Jahlun Azim Bidawatil Haq. These types of statements are, you know, they, they are um, great ignorance. This is a great type of ignorance that you say, you know, don't split the people. Don't invite them to the book and the sunnah. This is not the time for this now. There are more important things like politics and economics and this. This is all from jahl. This is from the greatest type of jahl, jahl to make the likes of these statements. Rather, that which has been ordered is to, to invite people to hold on to the rope of Allah. And then all the other things become resolved as a consequence. Right? So anyhow, this is what Sheikh Al-Bani said in a nutshell about this particular hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari and inshallah with that, on that note we'll conclude our lesson there for today walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in